0: Uh, as you're turning there, I want to thank Seth and Janelle for helping us out with uh, both John and Terry gone. Uh, today, I want to thank you guys for for coming and helping. Yeah. And uh, that song, that's, that's going to be a new one that we're, we're going to be introducing over the next couple weeks and at men's retreats. So um, hope you learned it, memorized it right there. So you're all set for this one this weekend. Uh, John 13, if you're using one of the blue chair Bibles, it's on page 900. And to begin this morning looking at God's Word, I want us to think think about cleaning. Now some of you don't want a reminder of potential cleaning you need to do later, today or tomorrow. But we need to talk about it. A little intervention, I'm just kidding. But I want you to think about cleaning. First of all... There's a little bit of irony in that cleaning can be a very dirty job. It's not always pleasant. It's not something we're like, I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. But usually you're not like, let me put on my Sunday best and scrub the floor. No, we have clothes that are meant for cleaning. We set them aside. They're a little dingier usually. You don't put on your best clothes to mop the floor or to do any sort of cleaning like that. Cleaning is not glamorous. It doesn't make you famous. And secondly, another aspect of it is there are different levels of cleaning. Think of your dishwasher. Settings like normal, tough, express wash, and whatever Santa rinse is. I don't even know what that is. You've got washing your hands. You've got taking a shower, can you imagine if every time, instead of washing your hands, you took a full shower? We wouldn't do that because we understand their levels of cleaning. To when I would go with my dad on rounds at the hospital and we would use what they call surgical scrub brushes that have the, this rough side and irregular sponge sides and a nice little pick for your fingernails because we needed our hands to be really clean. Why do I talk about cleaning this morning? Because in our story today, Jesus is going to do some cleaning. He's gonna be cleaning the feet of the disciples. And we're gonna see those two aspects of cleaning here. That cleaning is not a glamorous job. And that there are levels of cleaning. And Jesus is going to use this word picture of washing the disciples' feet to teach them, first of all, about their salvation, and secondly, about the life that they are called to live and we are called to live as followers of Him. So, our big idea this morning, found in your outline there, is this through faith in Jesus, we are cleansed of our sin so that we might live a life of humble service. So let's look at our text, John 13. We're first, again, using your outline there, we're going to talk about the washing of preparation. So let's look at verses 1 to 3 of John chapter 13. Follow along as I read. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. The first couple verses set the scene for the more familiar story of the foot washing. And so I want to set the context a little bit. But first of all, looking at these first three verses of what Jesus knows. Notice that that is repeated a lot in those first three verses. So let's look. What does Jesus know? First of all, verse 1. Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father. Jesus knows the crucifixion is about to happen. And he knows the resurrection comes after that and he knows the ascension is after that. There is a false teaching out there that this crucifixion sort of snuck up on Jesus. That he probably would have done something different, but you know those Romans got him. No, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And what we understand from that, by implication, is that Jesus willingly goes to the cross. And that's extremely important. Because Jesus didn't get caught off guard and God's like, well, I guess we're going to have to make the cross mean something. No, Jesus willingly went to the cross. He died and rose again willingly for you and for me. And Jesus knew this was going to happen. The second thing Jesus knew is he knew Judas was going to betray him. See what John says there. Verse 2, During supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Later on in the chapter in verses 18 to 20, Jesus comes back to this and tells the disciples, he says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. Again, there's a false teaching out there that Jesus was not in control. That Jesus was a victim of circumstances. And that totally neuters the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. Jesus knew that he would be crucified. And Jesus knew that God would raise him from the dead and complete the transaction for our salvation. And we see this as sort of a summary statement in the third thing that Jesus knew. Look at verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God. There is a confidence there and Jesus knows exactly what is happening. And he knows that he is working under the sovereignty of God, whose plans cannot be foiled. This also gives direct contrast and highlights what Jesus is about to do in washing feet. One author about this writes, With such power and status at his disposal, we might have expected him to defeat the devil in an immediate and flashy confrontation and to devastate Judas with an unstoppable blast of divine wrath. Instead, he washes his disciples' feet, including the feet of the betrayer. So we see what Jesus knows. There's another aspect of the context of this story that I want us to see before we get into the narrative part. And we see the context of Jesus' love for his disciples. Look again at verse 1. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So what follows here? is done with the knowledge that he has, motivated by the love that he has for his disciples and for his later disciples, us. So what Jesus is going to do, he does because he loves his people. Now let's look at what he does. Let's look at verses 3 to 5. Go ahead, Gavin, switch that next slide. Put three on both sides. Thank you. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He lay aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped Around him. We see in these verses that Jesus dresses himself like a servant in that time would. And we're going to come back to this idea of who Jesus knows he is and what he's doing and and the highlighting there. But you see this in verse 4. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He is dressing like a servant would in that day. Now, again, we need to think about the culture back then because it's very different from our own. First of all, ancient cultures like this were more formal in their Uh, hierarchy or in their social status so it was very easy to tell someone who was a higher social ranking than someone who was a lower social ranking and you didn't have as much ability to climb up the ranks as you do today and so when Jesus who is the leader of this group changes his clothes so that he literally resembles a servant Okay, and this would have been very apparent to them. He is not acting in a way that he would normally act, especially in that culture. But also think about the washing of feet. Now, past the fact that, again, I must remind us, every time I read this, I have to remind myself, these people did not own tennis shoes and cars. They did a lot of walking, first of all, to transport themselves, but they're not walking on concrete and asphalt. They're walking on dirt roads shared with animals. So, feet are dirty. And that's all I'll say because I'll let your imagination take it from there. But on top of that, again, there were some cultural understandings in that day. In fact, there's historical evidence that there were many Jews who believed that Jewish servants should be prohibited from washing people's feet. So some believed that the washing of feet should be reserved for Gentile slaves or for women and children and pupils. So what I want you to see here is the humility, the humbling of Jesus that would have been very culturally understood. Okay, Here is their leader, and he is literally dressing and doing the work of someone in a lower Status. Okay, now, what does this all mean? Why would Jesus do this? Why would he do this thing that was very culturally not done? There's two purposes. Let's first look at the washing was done as a washing of repentance. Let's look at verses 6 to 9. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So Jesus comes to Peter, and Peter is having none of it. Now, I love the grace of Jesus telling Peter, look, Peter, you're not going to get it. You'll get it later. But also, look what Jesus says. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Now, again, he's not talking about the literal washing of feet here. Okay, this is, this is something physical meant to communicate spiritual realities. So, but if you do not receive the washing of Jesus, you don't belong to him. And you need to see that truth here before we understand what the washing means. But unless you are washed by Jesus, as he says there, you have no share with me. Now, I love Peter's stereotypical impulsivity here. And he's like, okay, then wash all my body. <laughs> if we're cleaning, give me the deep clean. I love, I love Peter. <laughs> but in the next verses, in verses 10 and 11, Jesus explains to us and to Peter that he's completely missing the point. So let's see what the point is in verses 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. So Jesus is presenting sort of two levels of cleanliness here, two types of cleaning. We have foot washing and bathing. Okay? And Jesus says to Peter, you don't need to take a bath because you already took a bath. You just need your feet cleaned. So what is Jesus talking about here? How we understand bathing here is as a reference to our initial trusting and faith in Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Becoming a believer. Whatever language you want to use, that, that time of that initial step of faith of repentance of sin and placing your personal trust in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. That's your bath. Okay, that's how you belong to Jesus. You're one of his people. But for those of us who have had a bath, our feet still get dirty. And so what does that mean? Well, it's still cleaning. There's still repentance and forgiveness. There's still this need for cleansing of sin. But the foot cleansing is in reference to the regular repentance that people who belong to Jesus still need to do. This side of heaven, believers in Jesus still sin. We still sin regularly. And I think the more we're honest with ourselves, we understand how much more we sin. (laughs) So we don't need another bath, because we are secure in that salvation in Christ. But there is regular, just like foot washing, there's regular need for confession and repentance. Think about 1 John chapter 1. Okay, the whole book of 1 John is, how do I know I'm a believer? What does he say in 1 John 8 and 9? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you're a believer in Christ and you claim to be perfect, you're deceiving yourself, and you're a liar. I don't know if you've ever met people who twist the Bible to believe that once they have placed their faith in Christ, they are able to stop sinning. They are lying to us and to themselves. But what is the solution? Verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice the word cleanse in there. There's a regular, daily, weekly, monthly confession of sin that we as believers in Christ need to engage in. We need to be quick to repent and quick to confess that sin we still commit. So that's the first type of washing here. Again, that initial washing, that initial bath of faith that saves us and makes us one of God's people, and then that ongoing foot washing of repentance and confession of sin. But Jesus has another reason to wash the disciples' feet. And we see here the washing of service. Let's look at verses 12 to 13. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. I want to start here because, again... We're gonna get to the more familiar parts in a second, but I think sometimes we forget about this verse here. Jesus is going to talk about being a servant to others. But where it begins from is him being a servant from a place of privilege and status. So Jesus affirms that they are correct in calling him teacher and Lord. He affirms that you are correct, that what I am about to say about serving others does not dismiss that I am still teacher and Lord. Or or other uh, translations, master and Lord. But what this does is it highlights the command that Jesus is about to give to serve others. That Jesus does this as their leader, He does this from a place of real authority. So, what is the command? Let's look at verses 14 to 17. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, here's where we need to start. The command, you also ought to wash one another's feet, again, does not literally refer to washing other people's feet. It's a metaphor. It's an understanding of followers of Jesus are to serve others. Again, there's a simplicity in the Christian life that we see in verse 15. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. The Christian life is one of mimicking and following the example of Jesus. And here, Jesus acts as a servant to his disciples and serves them in washing their feet as a demonstration of the type of service we should be doing for others. But I want to look at a couple of the particulars here. And first off, there is a truth in here that if we don't do this, that we somehow think we're better than Jesus. Look what it says. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If the master does it, then the servant better do it. Because for the servant not to do it, he would say he's better than the master. When we are not serving others, there is an arrogance and a pride that in reality places us above Jesus. Because what did Jesus do? He took on the form of a servant and served his disciples in a very humble way. And I want you to, I want you to see that a refusal to serve is to actually place yourself as better than Jesus, which is a very dangerous place to be. Secondly, I want you to see that God blesses those who serve in this way. Look at verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This reminds me of the Great Commission, where Jesus sends out the disciples, and he doesn't, he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. See, Jesus is smart. He doesn't say, teach them everything I commanded, because then we could just learn a lot of knowledge, but never actually have to put it into practice. And notice the same pattern here. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So there's a call to know these things, and You're welcome, you now know them. But now, there is a call to do them. And a promise that when we serve like Jesus, that is when we will receive the blessing of God. That is when we receive God's favor. And he is pleased with us. Jesus calls his disciples not to pursue wealth and power, but to use any privilege or authority or status they have to serve others. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it better be good enough for you. (laughs) Jesus doesn't promise power, he doesn't promise status or wealth but he calls people to a service of others which, which honestly isn't always pleasant, which isn't always glamorous. Again, think of the picture of Jesus. He dresses like a servant. He physically looked like someone of a lower status intentionally. And he did something that honestly could have been really gross. Those feet... Don't look at those paintings, okay? Everybody's clean in those old paintings. (laughs) And notice you really can't see the feet in like Da Vinci's Last Supper, okay? (laughs) Sometimes service looks like foot washing. And we don't do it because it's glamorous. We don't do it because we're going to get a parade for it. We do it because Jesus did and it's the right thing to do. And when we serve in that way, in the various ways that we can, that's when God is pleased. That's when he says, you know, this connection, well done, good and faithful servant. A couple points of application this morning as we close from this text. Number one, some of you need a bath. And No, that's not a poke at your hygiene. Some of you here have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ that initial time. The Bible is clear. If you don't have a bath of faith and repentance, you are not connected to Jesus. You don't have his righteousness, his forgiveness. And so if you've never done that, today's the day. Repent of your sin. Place your personal trust in Christ. And be cleansed of that sin. And be reconciled to the Holy God who created you and loves you. So some of you today, that's what you need. You need a bath. And notice the sign of that new life that Jesus gave to his church sort of looks like a bath. Think about baptism. Baptism is a physical expression of a spiritual reality. Baptism is not magic, but it communicates truth that cannot be seen. There are two things that baptism signifies as traditionally done. So what do we do? We take you, we dunk you into water, and we pull you back up. One thing that that signifies is that we die to our sins and we're raised to life in Christ. But also, as this text would help us understand, it represents the cleansing and cleaning of sin by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. The water in baptism represents the washing, the bath that we need through repentance and faith in Jesus. Secondly, some of you don't need a bath, but you need to wash your feet. (laughs) There must be regular confession of sin in the life of the follower of Jesus. And you need to ask yourself, are my feet dirty? Is, is there something you need to confess to God this morning? He knows. It's just whether you'll confess it or not. Or do you need to confess something to someone else here? Or someone else that you know? The Bible calls us, there are times where we need to confess our sins to one another. This is the regular foot washing that we need it's appropriate that we'll be having communion today, the other ordinance besides baptism. As a part of Paul's instructions to the Corinthian church, he calls them to foot washing, to confession. He doesn't use the term foot washing, but he calls the Corinthian church to examine their hearts before taking communion. It's a call to reflect and to confess where appropriate. And as we pass out the elements later with communion, you, you will have time for that. We, we, we set aside time in passing out the elements for you to examine your heart, to confess sin, to wash your feet. And finally, thirdly, our last big big application this morning is this. It's more of a question. How am I? How are you? How am I going to wash the feet of others? There is a call here to humble service. A call to serve whether we get the glory, whether it's easy or difficult, Sometimes it's messy. But there is a call to be a servant. Being a servant is essential to understanding who we are as followers of Christ. If you've been in the AVF with Steve, you'll notice that Peter starts his second letter calling himself not just an apostle, a title of authority. What does he call himself? He calls himself a servant. I want you to see the pattern here. Jesus acted like a servant. Peter acted like a servant. (laughs) What should we do? We need to be servants. Even when it's not glamorous. Even when it's not fun. But but let me say this. Because I want to be real, but I also want to push us towards joy here. In my experience, when we experience joy and blessing is when we serve, and it was right here in our text. There's a promise. See, there's an expectation that it won't always be easy, but there's also a promise that when we do serve, God will bless that in all the various ways that he does in ways we don't deserve. Friends as you think about this text I want you to be ready to take a bath to place your trust in Jesus for the first time I want you to get ready to wash your feet to confess that sin that needs confessing and lastly I want you I want us to be known as servants as people who serve other whether It's glamorous or famous or not. Let's pray. Father God, use your word this morning to transform us to be more like Jesus Christ, that we would be quick to confess our sin, whether for the first time or the 500th time. And that we would follow your example and serve others in great humility, trusting your leadership and your promise of blessing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.